Hello, I'm Richard Herring. I'm Abla Crowe. And this is Sight on Screen. So we just watched Dune. <laughs> first things first, shit, we're back. <laughs> yeah, we're back. <laughs> My god, how long was that hiatus? About a year, actually. Almost exactly a year. <laughs> Since we watched Tenet. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm having flashbacks. So, yeah, we... You know what? Screw it. Coronavirus, busy lives. A lot of life changes. A lot of life changes for the pair of us. So New place for me. We're recording in a new location. I mean, what can we do? What can you do? <laughs> it's, it is what it is. But, yeah, Dune. Dune. Uh, yeah, let's... Okay, so first things first. Spoiler-free-ish section. Yeah. I'm going to put on the caveat. There's a caveat to that. We will be talking about the original Dune from the 1980s. As well as... As the new one. I don't give a shit about spoiling the old one. It's been out there long enough. You know what? If you didn't get around to it yet, that's your problem, not mine. It's been almost 40 years. You know... God, it has been almost 40 years. But the funny thing is, they're so similar. You can't really... If you spoil the old one, you spoil the new one as well. For the most part. That's why I'm putting it out there. Because it's like, what are we going to do? Just sit here in silence? we got to talk about something. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it's going to be an interesting discussion, because yeah. you have actually read the book. Oh, I've read that book multiple times. Yeah, I've only seen the movies. I saw the original when I was younger, rewatched it recently, hmm. right before watching this new one in theaters. Yeah, no, I mean, Which, I... Wonderful to be back in theaters. Oh, hey, yeah, look at that. We were back in a cinema. Yeah. Which is a novel and wonderful experience. It's been almost two years. Yeah. God. <laughs> Again, last time I was in a cinema. Tenet, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so speaking of tenant, I don't know. I would ta- another already with a tangent. Yeah, but, do it. But, Go yeah, it. Do speaking it. Speaking of tenant, I want it. I got the digital 4K release, rewatched it with subtitles. Yeah, very different film. Oh, I bet. Very different. I film. Really <laughs> bet it was. So uh, yeah, you know, watch uh, it with subtitles. Watch it with subtitles. <laughs> have the have the guide booklet in hand. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess this is the thing, though. I mean, ten is kind of a great example of this modern movie problem that we're having that kind of relates back to Dune for me, which is watching Dune as someone who knows this material as well as I do, because I've literally read this book three times and listened to the audiobook twice. Yeah. And I, because I, this is my favorite book possibly. I love this book. And I think for people who don't know them, who have, have, have neither watched the original movie or read the book, this must be even worse than Tenet, because you can't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, ha- having recently watched both of them, yeah. I will say I was way more lost with the old one than I was with the new one. <laughs> yeah. But having watched the older film, yeah. there was I could pick up on a lot more information with the new one. <laughs> yes, I think it's almost like it's a companion piece that's almost required viewing. Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, but, yeah, we're going to get into it, but... The first movie, just real quick, is the David Lynch from 1985. The the release that is out in the world is 2 hours, 15 minutes. Yeah. And that's after the the studios butchered this thing like a cow carcass. Yeah, because this was was the original Snyder Cut, right? Yeah, yeah. This was, originally this was like over 4 hours. Over 4 hours. Yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot of rumors about that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's David Lynch directing a big sci-fi movie, which when you say it out loud... <laughs> yeah, it sounds, really it sounds is, like an oxymoron. <laughs> it's, it's such a bizarre thing to say, because it's David Lynch. And this was right off the heels of only two feature films before this. It was a Razorhead, oh, well. and then, which was his original, his, his feature debut. I'm not sure we can call that a feature film, but okay. I mean, it's 80 minutes long. It's a feature film. <laughs> <laughs> it fits the criteria. And then Elephant Man, which is a fantastic oh, film. Oh, Elephant Man is a great Anthony movie. Anthony Hopkins does a great job in that film. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably off the basis of the two. I I think looking at the two of those movies, I might, as an executive, understand the logic of giving this guy Dune. I wouldn't, because those are, like, they're so, especially Eraserhead. Like, both of them are black and white. Yeah. You know? Even though we're way past those years, it's not that old. Yeah, no, they're you're, they're, you're both wrong. In, they're both in black and white. Eraserhead is this like super bizarre, otherworldly, almost dreamlike. Uh, I mean, it's a surreal nightmare. Yeah, it's 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 Salvador Dali 
on acid. So it's even more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's actually a, it's celebrated Dali on acid in a bad time. I mean, yeah. Anyone who, bad trip. if you haven't watched Eraserhead, I mean, buckle up. That shit gets weird and yeah. dark and nasty. Yeah. And it's like for such a simple concept, which is like the perils of parenthood and sort of the anticipation of getting a child and all that stuff when you, are a bit in an in unsure position in your life. Yeah. Like, examining that the way that he did, absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, it's not really... I, I, it's not really a film that's examining a theme, let's be honest. It, it, it's, it is more of, like, a regressive therapy under a, in a torture chamber experience. Pretty much. It's more of an experience movie than a thinky movie. That's true. It's, yeah, it's very, very much an ex- a movie where you experience. And most of David Lynch's films are, are like that. that. Yeah. To be fair, though, uh, Eraser... I mean, sorry, uh, Elephant Man yep. is a much more straightforward film. Oh, yeah. Elephant Man is pretty much trying to prove to the world that he can make a commercial project. And he did. And it he was did. great. It was great. It was he, really he, well directed. I mean, this is the thing. He's a weird dude, but Lynch can produce content that people want to see. Yeah. Twin Peaks is an amazing show. I love that show. I never, I haven't watched the new seasons of it. I've yeah, only watched the original. Me too. Love that. Uh, Mulholland Drive, great one movie. My, one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah, I adore that movie. Um, straight Story, surprisingly a really solid, very straightforward production. It's a Disney film by David Lynch. Yeah, well, those two names you don't really expect. Disney and Lynch. You don't yeah. really see those it's two together. It's almost like saying, <laughs> yes, this Pixar picture produced by Stanley Kubrick. It's like, wait, it's very much up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, so Lynch was an inspired choice, let's put it that way, <laughs> for Dune. Originally, it was supposed to be Jodorowsky. Yeah, well, that was even weirder. I mean, the fact that they even looked at that guy first tells you that somebody was not on board here. No, someone just didn't know what this was. But to, so, so the Dune was supposed to be for studios. They saw the success of Star Wars, and yeah, they were like, "Obviously, we need to get our own property, a sci-fi property." Yeah. And they wanted something for adults, or at least you don't really get that anymore, to be honest. No, you know, you don't. Very rarely do you see franchise potential in adult films. Well, so they usually have much well, lower budgets. I, I know what you're saying, but the Star Wars thing, they weren't aiming really for an adult. They were aiming for young adult and teenager. Cause this is. You no, know, Star Wars, yes. Yeah. But, but also what. Doom, they wanted, they wanted Star Wars for adults. Like that was the tagline. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. I mean, yeah. the fact that they thought that was going to work is insane. But yes, I know what you mean. That, yeah. Shaka with voice modulators. Oh, oh. <laughs> adults. <laughs> this. This hurts me because, again, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to it. But, okay, if we're going to get into the plot before uh, we do anything else. Well, yeah, well, we're still in the non-spoiler section. But, okay. You know. Well, I mean, this is the thing. There's the, the whole, the, all the elements of it that are not adult-friendly, that are kind of silly and childish, are all the additions outside of the original narrative. Yeah. Because the book is an adult book. It is a hard sci-fi, very mature, very political, religion-motivated thinking, there's a lot of themes going on and none of them are child-friendly, pretty yeah, much. But, but at the same time, even though Lynch, for the most part, is a very serious director, does a lot of horror-like films, surreal obviously being the key yeah. to, his, to his movies, um, but you could see a lot of similarities between his version of Dune and what later became Twin Peaks. Oh yes, There's a lot absolutely. of those quirky characters, a lot of those idiosyncrasies. Sorry. Yeah, and I, I also get why he would have liked the Dune project because it is this exploration of a the bizarre. Because the whole Dune world, book included, is humanity at the extreme. Yeah, that's the entire point of that book. It's humans. We're catching up with humanity eight thousand years in the future. And yeah, they make that very clear in both films. It oh, starts yeah. out with this is the year ten thousand one hundred ninety one. Yeah. So it's And they're not ambiguous race. about it. It's yeah. very straightforward. And there's a lot of very clear visual and story references to our existence. Yeah. It's kind of like religion and the way that or or any old texts really mm. uh, from old civilizations where you see how it warps through time, like yeah. the teachings of old. And so you, you hear a lot of words that you would recognize, especially if you're from different desert-like uh, 
um, cultures. Yep. But uh, but yeah, so but it's been like warped to to a degree where it's not really the same thing, but it sort of brings up the image in your head. So it does a really good job at doing that. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's this, it is grounding this... Grounding you in humanity. It is this grounding in humanity, but it is humanity again at the extreme for the simple reason that one of the big differences between the future world presented and our world now is that while the technology is incredible, there is no hint at all of computer thinking. True. It's made very clear in the book that the machines at some... Matrix pretty much happened... And then, yeah, no, seriously, that's kind of how they present it in the book. It's like a matrix situation, the rise of the machines, the AI wars, all of this shit happens. And in the, and the wreckage of that, humanity looked around and said, we're not doing this again. Never will a machine do the thinking of a man. Yeah, so you won't get like a Space Odyssey, HAL no. scenario. No, and that's what the whole point is saying. Like, so all of the things that we rely on now for computers has had to be done by humans. And that has required pushing human minds, human capabilities to the absolute limit. And that's actually the crux of the story, which yeah. is that there is this... This mineral or element or yes. whatever, which they refer to as the spice. The spice melange. The spice melange. <laughs> which just bring things, makes me think of butter. <laughs> Cause melange is just butter and I'll be honest, I, it makes me think of like spice again from Star Wars. Cause Frank Herbert tried to sue Disney over the fact that they kept, or not Disney, but Lucas over the fact that he, they named spice in Star Wars. Because at the beginning, Han Solo is a spice smuggler. That's true. Yeah, he he he's carrying cantonas of spice. Hmm. But yeah, so so there's this this ele- mineral or element or whatever called the spice that yeah. sort of pushes the boundaries of human capabilities yes, in terms of the very IQ, much so. their IQ and so on. Um, but yeah, so just to talk a little bit more about the new film. So obviously it's uh, Denis Villeneuve. Yep. He's a fantastic director. Oh, I love that guy. Arrival. So other sci-fi properties that he's done, Arrival. Yep. Blade Runner 2049. Enemy, uh, kind of. Yeah, kind of. It's a little bit more grounded, though. It is more grounded, but there's a lot of... Let's put it this way. There's a lot of the visual language that is recognizable in this. True. And he has a certain visual style, which oh, yeah. is the more, like, sort of uh, desaturated, very earth tones. He likes using a lot of earth tones in his movies. Yeah. Like, it's also... Ryan Gosling looked like oh, he was yeah. covered in oil. I don't... The whole, like, whole really, thing. really yellow oil. There's, the whole a, movie. <laughs> there's a kind of a matte finish going on as well. Yeah. It's weird because, I mean, the thing that Villeneuve does visually is where a lot of photography styles are currently. Yeah. It, sure. He has this kind of like... Naturalistic. Naturalistic and yet slightly 70s color palette. It's, it's yeah, an odd choice. Heavy on the yellows. Heavy, heavy on the browns, heavy on the yellows. Yeah. The matte gray. True. And this movie is no exception. So oh, this, this oh, more so than any of it. Yeah. So if you really liked his visual style in his other in his previous works, you're gonna love it here. It's realized the world is realized very very well. Oh, the production design. Oh, yeah. there's so many moments where, because like half of this movie, even more than half, like three quarters of this movie is CGI. Yep. But you, it's, there's you so many moments where you just absolutely couldn't tell nope. what was CGI and what wasn't. The the, the design was. Incredible. But let's put it this way. I think watching it and really thinking about it, the only time the CGI is noticeable is when things are happening on screen that literally could not be achieved without it. Yeah. It's exactly. Whenever the CGI is used in a subtle background fashion, it's impossible to tell. They did an amazing yeah. job in the set design, production design, visual style, all of it. Yeah. Even though this this had a similar, probably slightly less budget than most Marvel movies, it looks like five times, maybe ten times better than Marvel. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think this is the thing I will say. Like, if we're, gonna, if we're kind of coming to the end of the spoiler-free section, you know, if you're going to stop listening here, if you are a person who appreciates visuals and aesthetics in film... Even if you're not a person who's so, going to be too interested in this story, because the story is slow. Yes. I will, it is not action-packed. We are not in a rush. We are taking our time with this. It's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. That's part one of... Uh, <laughs> part one of and part of two, because it's a long book, but this is a movie that is kind of almost glacial in its pace. Yeah. But 
this, the, the aesthetics are worth the price of admission. Yeah, and actually, I would say the same thing with the older film. That also has some Ooh, incredibly, yeah. but for very different reasons. For completely different reasons. Yeah, the aesthetics of that Just, old film is is incredible. Like the production design of that one, nothing you would never see another movie that looks like the original 1985 uh, Dune. There is nothing out there that looks even remotely similar. Nope, they nope. <laughs> but but it's not very. <laughs> let's say it's not. Uh, here, I think it's, not, it's not pleasing. Let's put it this way. It's not aesthetically you pleasing. You notice it, watch the new one because it is a masterful execution of aesthetic design. Yeah. The, the aesthetic design is ripped straight from the pages of the book and realized beyond compare. I, I, I don't, can't remember a movie I thought looked better than this. It's true. Like straight up on a visual, ignoring everything else stage, this is the most aesthetic movie I've ever seen. Sure. You watch the original movie because, you know what? It, it's like the Eddie the Eagle of production design. <laughs> their hearts were in this oh, all the yeah. way, but yeah, their yeah, yeah. budgets were not. <laughs> yep, and you can really tell about halfway through the film. <laughs> oh, no, we're running out of money. <laughs> it falls apart so badly. It's kind of like, wait, we spent all our money already? Yeah. But right before we end the spoiler section, so obviously we both recommend the film. Oh yeah, go out, go out there, support this movie, Villeneuve, uh, one yeah. of one of our one of the greatest up. I wouldn't really say he's up and coming, but one of the greatest directors of our time. Yeah, uh, and still on a rise, unlike Nolan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this thing, support is the right word because we need movies like this. Yeah, if you if you are tired of the Marvel commercialized. Very middle of the road, no risks taken in filmmaking. And if you're, if you don't want just the small screen experience, this is it. You watch this on the biggest screen you can find and you sit there as an adult human being and go, wow, look at that. I think this is when my dad tells me what is like when he, what he felt like watching the original Star Wars. On a purely visual level, the effects were something he had never seen the like of which. And that are still impressive to this day. Still impressive to this day. That's kind of how I felt watching this, because look at it. Yeah. I have never seen fantasy or unreality put, made real in this way before. Yeah, it was, it was believable from start to finish, despite the sci-fi elements of yeah. it. Yeah, and also, it's just on a such a grand scale. This is a huge movie. Every yeah. set piece is massive. Yeah, no, you could really see the budget oh, at work here. <laughs> not only that, but just the, they had balls of steel walking into this project. Yeah. And that's why I want to, like, I'm saying support it, because if you want us, you need to reward stuff like this. Yeah, no, it's definitely an artistic vision put on screen. Oh, yeah. Like, from start to finish, they didn't compromise in anything that they were doing. Not that that, not that was at least visible. Oh, I couldn't tell. I mean, yeah. if they compromise anywhere, it'll have to be in story, not design. Yeah. And that's, meh, fair, and getting on to story, I think. Yeah, so, you know, rounding out the non-spoiler section, yes, visually, amazing, story-wise, lacking. <laughs> eh, story-wise... It's slow, and there's, there's, not a little, there's not a lot of action, and a lot of it is incomprehensible, because there's so much lore to this that it's almost impossible to put it all to the screen, which is why they did the wise, wise decision of dividing it in two. Oh, but if they tried doing this in one movie, we would it, we wouldn't be talking about it here. Yeah, it no. wouldn't be watchable. I don't think. Kind of like the original. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I will say, the design absolutely atmosphere. Atmosphere, yes. The the atmosphere in this is rich beyond compare, and that's the design, that's the music, that's the performances were amazing. But uh, yeah, it's not a lot happening. But it's a what what does happen carries a lot of weight and atmosphere to it. So, you know, take that as you will. I would say read the book and use that as kind of your companion piece walking into this movie. Yeah, and you know, regardless, watch it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Get out there. Get out there. Watch get, it. Get a button to screen if you're in a safe place to do pause, it. Pause this. Pause this uh, podcast. Yep. Go out. Watch the movie. We'll wait. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah, no, we'll be here. <laughs> we'll be here. <laughs> Okay. All right. So we, we both recommend it deeply. Oh, yeah. Go for it. So now we're moving on to the spoiler section. And I got to say one thing before anything. Shoot. Worm surfing. 
Worm surfing! <laughs> yes! Worm surfing! <laughs> you were so disappointed you weren't going to be able to see it. Yeah, but that caught that glimpse right at the end. We got that little hint. Yeah! <laughs> I have to say, the, the, the one thing that was not in the original movie was never mentioned in the book as far as I can remember. But I, what I was in the cinema, honest to God, had a moment with... We have bagpipes, everybody. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, that's true. I, you and I looked at each other. <laughs> the year 10,000. When that came out, I was like, oh. <laughs> the year 10,000. There ain't a trumpet in sight. Ain't a flute. Despite there being a guitar in the book, there ain't one of those. But there's a man with a goddamn bagpipe. I mean, if I, there was going to be an instrument that's going to live on, it's the bagpipe. Let's be honest. <laughs> really? <laughs> but I mean, it's the I, one that I would have wanted. <laughs> As a guitar player and, a, sick, and, a, sorry, and a part-time piano player. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Bagpipes is the instrument I want to see live on. <laughs> As a, a harmonica player, I'm looking at this going, really? Hey, you never know, man. <laughs> but I think, but this is exactly what we're talking about. Like this thing that it is so obvious that this is our world, but far in the future. This yeah. is not a galaxy far, far away. We are not skipping out here. Yeah. That's super grounded in reality. Now, let's, since we're in the spoiler section, yeah, we got, we got to compare some things. The old movie with their voice, voice modulators. Oh, Come on. <laughs> okay. So real basic, real <laughs> yeah, basic, about this. the story of, the three projects, let's call them that, the book and the two movies, is a family of aristocracy, pretty much, in an inter, in an interspatial empire. Spatial, yeah, like intergalactic. Yeah, intergalactic empire. They are one of the dukes. They are one of the ruling families. And House of Atreides. House of Atreides. Atreides. <laughs> they have been taken off their planet and moved on to the planet that produces the Spice Melange, deposing their rival blood feud other family, the Harkonnens. Or the Harkonnens, according to the old film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because they couldn't get the actor to pronounce how they wanted. Yeah. And... <laughs> So, uh, we, got, we gotta say, star-studded star cast, both films, star-studded oh. cast. Sto yeah, well, yes, yeah, no, no, you're not wrong. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. Patrick. <laughs> I love the fact that he's in that for he's some Gurney, reason. He's Gurney, man. Gurney Halleck, everybody. <laughs> but, okay, but uh, we need to get through the main story just yes, yes, really yes, basic, yes. which is that the main story surrounds the young master, the son of the Duke, who ends up becoming a religious cult warrior leader? Of a desert leader. <laughs> of a desert people after his family is betrayed and destroyed. And then it's pretty much his war against the Empire and the Harkonnens. Yeah. So the, the Emperor just apparently ro rotates whoever runs this uh, planet. He decides, he wants to step in and for political reasons, he decides to pretty much fuck over the House of Atreides. Yeah. And then he says he's going to pull out the Hark Harkonnens. Harkonnens. Put in House of Atreides and then send the Harkonnens back at them. Yeah. To take them out. And it's, and this is what I'm talking about. This is politics. I mean, Game of Thrones couldn't pull off this level of politics in a book series. Yes. Yeah. I would say that in both movies, it's kind of lacking. Oh, completely. Because yeah. in the book, it's such a big deal. It's, it's so much of what's happening is this whole hidden world of upper level politics that are kind of underlying a lot of what's happening, especially yeah. in Part one, let's call it. Although I will say that the movies do it better than the Star Wars prequels. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, yes, because they avoid it. <laughs> probably, yeah. That's you know what? Right. If, if the prequels could have done me that favor. <sighs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> tangent aside. Tangent aside. Tangent aside. <laughs> but no, I mean, and that's kind of the story. It is one of these, you know, the young man will rise. There's a lot of religion and superstition, prophecy. There's a lot of this stuff going on. And yeah, the voice of God. The voice of God, the hand of God. There is secret societies. There are the spacing guilds who require the spice. There's... Yeah, that was... The new movie was missing those weird space babies. Yeah, in the book, space you never see them. In the book, you're, they're never described. Even. Oh, because Lynch just went to town with that space baby. <laughs> it uh, looked horrible. <laughs> 
Oh god, it's a it's a demon creature. It's a demon creature. It's so ugly. If you thought a razor head looked looked uh, looked horrifying, I mean, this is the thing I will give David Lynch all the credit in the world for. That man is not afraid of putting on something on screen that you do not want to look at. Yep. Him and Cronenberger, they're like they're the, they're the only guys who do it. Yeah, that's true. Everybody else will put something on screen for you to look at it. Those two guys will make you uncomfortable. Yeah, because like even, as horrifying as the thing is, oh yeah, the, uh, John Carpenter does the thing. Yeah, like the the actual thing. Mm-hmm. It's still fascinating to look at. Oh yeah, no, All you the look effects, at that the thing. dog it's... like splitting and ha- like that's cool. Yeah, because it's scary, but it's not gross. Yeah, there, there, you don't have that instinct to recoil. Maybe Saw. Maybe the Saw franchise. That's, that's like different, thing. though. That's that's a, that's a completely different <laughs> thing. Because buckets of blood. That's what. It is. <laughs> that's just viscera. That's yeah, that's right. not really the point here. We're talking about two guys who are exploring body horror without a horror principle behind them. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I mean, Videodrome. My God. <sighs> yeah. Oof. Yeah. Videodrome. <laughs> Woods. <laughs> John Woods. Yeah. James Woods. James Woods. That's what Man, I can't watch that movie anymore. With well, no, no, you can't because he gets destroyed. It's yeah, true. It's the Spacey principle. Yeah, it's kind of like Spacey and uh, Baby Driver. <laughs> any, any movie where Spacey suffers horribly, I'm kind of okay with. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. We're back. We're really back. We're back. No, but I mean, this movie... The movies are very light on the politics, and you kind of just get the very bare-bones knuckles of what's going on with this family. You understand the family dynamics quite well in both... The thing they leave aside in both projects really is all of the interplay between the major players. Yeah, you're you're kind of just knuckling down on this one family, uh, Lady Jessica, Duke Leto, and Paul Atreides. Yeah, which and I was disappointed to see that Jared Leto wasn't playing Duke Leto. <laughs> Is Jared Leto in this? No. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I, was I was about saying, to say. I was saying I was disappointed. It was it was a missed opportunity. I Jared Leto, Duke I Leto. I can't tell you how thrilled I am he's not in this. I know. I hate that man. I know you do. In the original, I know we're going, to, going back and forth between the two, but that's because they are so similar. Yeah, that was one of the things that surprised me. Having yeah. not read the book and having, re- having heard how much tampering there was in the oh, original film. And I assumed amount. that it was like completely nonsensical compared to the book, but I was surprised to see how similar these two movies are. Yes, and that's because the tampering that happens in the original movie compared to the book is they take very nuanced things in the book, such as political training, physical mastery, uh, martial arts expertise, body control, all of that stuff... And make it into a sound gun. Yeah. yeah. And that's the whole thing. Is like, I thought I was talking about was a shaka. Shaka! <laughs> Which makes you sound like you're trying to imitate a seagull. Pretty but, much, yeah. That's what but it's, that's, that's the whole point. It's like they take big, kind of very nuanced, complicated things and find very simple stand-ins for those in yeah. quote-unquote sci-fi. And I'm guessing that part of the studio decision in 85 was... We need voiceover because this is incomprehensible. Oh yeah, no, that, and boy, all of the voice help. <laughs> the, the ADR is crazy in that first film. It's everywhere, and it was all added in post, including the opening of the floating head. Yeah, yeah, it opens with a floating head. This one also not a floating head, but it opens with uh, a narrator. You know, it's a narrator, but it's a much audiobook. shorter, <laughs> much shorter. Yeah, it's an audiobook. Yeah, that's true. That's it's him, li- it's yeah, him that's listening to a description of what's going on, yeah, pretty so much. There was an in-world explanation, unlike the original. Well, I love this. It's kind of like, yes, this is Paul Atreides. He's, he's brilliant. He's been taught all of this shit since the beginning. I think we see him... Ex- like, I, I think we see him use at least four languages throughout this movie. Yeah. Like, and then there's also that like sign hidden. There, there's like there's so much stuff going on. But at the beginning of the book, we're like, yes, he's leaving next week. Let's just recap everything that's going on before he goes. Yeah. <laughs> but he does the same in both versions and the books. I mean, yeah. what can you do? They're both quite faithful. That's the thing I will give them. Like all the scenes are from the book. The only thing they're missing is a lot of the scenes. Yeah. Okay. Now, I will say, we haven't, I don't think you saw this, but there is apparently a miniseries. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's three episodes, supposed to be much more faithful, but the effects are absolutely horrendous. And then three years later, the continuation of the story, because Dune. Those are sci-fi channel, right? I think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. 
uh, came another three episode miniseries called The Children of Doom <laughs> which uh, was a continuation because that was a book that was written by Frank Herbert's son I yes but what was his name again um, no clue <laughs> Frederick I think Really? Frank and Frederick? Yeah, it's something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it's like, it is his son. It's not very creative. Only the original Dune was written by Frank Herbert, and then his son wrote all of the rest of them. And there's like five sequel books or something like that. It's a lot. And they get progressively kind of more bizarre, mainly because the lore... from lunch, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's this thing where the lore in the first book is so overwhelming... There, there isn't a lot of room for more. It's kind of, it's really stretching the limits of how much weight your mind can take in following all these characters and narratives. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an eight hundred page book, right? It's a, yeah, something like that. It's yeah. it's a it's a big one. It's a hefty read. It's a hefty read, and it's almost Tolkien esque in the way it deals with stuff. There's a lot of explanation going. Yeah, on. which I will say this: it, it would be like the the new film at least because. Yes, the two movies are very similar plot-wise, yep. very different aesthetically. Oh, huge! But the new one takes up it, up it like very clearly takes more time to build things up. It doesn't have the voiceover, nope. so it doesn't lean on that. It takes time to build the characters up, to build the relationships up, and uh, yeah, like we were saying, it's a very, very much of a glacial pace. So a good thing to compare it to, given that this is part one of two, mm. as far as I'm, as far as I know, as far as I'm aware, yeah, uh, is actually the. Lord of the Rings, uh, Peter Jackson, yeah, Lord of the Rings, yeah, where especially the original trilogy, not the Hobbit uh, films, but the yeah. original trilogy, yes, the same thing happened with those where they did have to take out a lot of the more politics stuff. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of the the nuance. A lot of the big players suddenly vanished off that map. Yeah, but I mean, but as films, they work really, really well. Yeah, and I I'm, I hate to say it, but yeah, the original Lord of the Rings series works at least in part one. Fellowship of the Ring works better than Dune Part One. Yes, if we're gonna compare it as overall as a film, story, as a story, yeah. yeah, it works better mainly because it is that problem where Tolkien was writing for a for audiences of different ages. Yeah, and Herbert was not, which means that the nuance and the politics is way more integral to the story that was being told in Dune than it was to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so the fact that they took it out or decided to take it out leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, when the pl- plot wise, and there's a lot of like silent moments where you just wish something would happen, and it's just people looking at each other, and it's which, just, which is which is fine for me because I like I like, like atmospherics. Yeah, so I, I like atmospheric. I like French films. There's a lot of staring in French films. Oh yeah, British films too. There's a lot of people playing with matches. Yep, and arranging things in the house, and then they have like these weird conversations, like hello. Well, hello. Yeah. What no. are you doing? I'm arranging the suit. It's very BBC <laughs> drama in yeah, a lot exactly. of ways, this stuff here. Yeah, so this one, yeah, so this one does very, something similar where there's a lot of these like silent moments and whatever, but, uh, the, but the visuals are so breathtaking and the cinematography is so amazing. Yeah, I mean, you learn a lot about, from, about these characters from these moments. That you don't really mind the silence because no. you're like, you're just, you're just like, Taking it all in, <laughs> you know, it's so it's so visually pleasing that you're just like, mm. I mean, I'm uh, okay. I'm, the two examples that really come to mind, like big differences in the books and the book compared to the two movies, and I'm not gonna like go into a whole lot of little details, but there are two things that really kind of like I wish they managed to incorporate these in some way. One of which is that a major subplot that is kind of discussed in both in film one, not in film two, is that there is a there is a suspicion of a traitor in the house Trades, and in an effort to throw off his enemies, Duke Leto pretends to suspect his wife or his concubine. So there's a big family drama underlying a lot of this where they're having to play nice in public, but there's kind of an underlying tension there where she doesn't understand the mistrust. He actually doesn't mistrust her. Yeah, and then there's the, the, there's that... In the original, it's, sort of, it's a voiceover, but here he actually said it out loud. He's like, I should have married you. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like there's that, that line, stuff yeah. there. And the other one, that there's an actually a specific scene in the book, which is a dinner scene where... The family invites the upper society of the new planet to dinner. 
and you have this quite long dinner sequence in the book where you really get to understand who are the power players on this planet, why is this important, how important water is here. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that stuff that's kind of like in this one scene, and you get to understand a lot of the politics and a lot of the personalities at play. Because this new movie, the family is so isolated, they don't deal with the outside world at all. Yeah. It's kind of hard to get what's going on there. Yeah, I was even surprised with regards to the uh, traitor. Yeah. The the old film sort of really emphasized, oh, there is a traitor in our midst. Yes. This one that just sort of springs up on you. Which is surprising considering how much longer this film is. And the book, they have this thing where, again, we're talking about the extremes of humanity. In both... The films, you'll notice that the traitor, spoiler area, Dr. Yui, has this triangle on his head. In the the book, yeah, the little diamond thing. In the book, they make it super clear. This guy has gone through what they call the imperial conditioning. He literally can't hurt anybody. He cannot betray. He cannot harm. It's the Hippocratic Oath at the absolute limit. He is physically incapable of doing harm. Interesting. It's the reason. I think, they, I think they hint on that with voiceover in the original. In the original, because yeah, when when, uh, when the oh uh, Paul's mother, yeah, I forget her name, Jessica, Jessica, yeah, when she's uh, she looks at him and you hear a voiceover going, but the imperial, can yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. and she's looking at the, the little diamond on his head, yeah, yeah, and this, and this the whole point, which is that it's the only re- way. If you look at like the movies, you notice that anytime someone gets close to the royals, everyone around them panics, yeah. So the doctor has to be someone beyond suspicion, completely. And the only people who can be doctors to the royals or to the high court are these guys who've undergone this conditioning. They are, like, uh, psychologically implanted from birth or something like that. It's crazy. crazy. And it's such a great concept in the book that they managed to break this conditioning. Yeah, the Harkonnens. The Harkonnens managed to break the conditioning through... A combination of torture, psychological manipulation, and motivation. Yeah, and they they kind of hint that at both films, where it's just like you know, uh, remember what we did. The, yeah, what, we, what have we, done, we have your wife. Your wife. Yeah, you want to join her? Yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to take that deal. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that kind of thing, which is really hard to communicate visually. It's it's kind of needs to either be said. Or you need to find a way of explaining it in the book. Yeah, now I will, say, I will say everything we've talked about that is that is book specific and not not something that you would usually show in a film like this. Yeah, other films have done it. Oh yeah, and they've done it really well. It's just that that is the focus. That's because it's it's the one thing. It's the one thing. Meanwhile, here it's like, well, this is all these things, and it's also sci-fi, and it's all supposed to be fun and, and yeah. exciting and adventurous. And there's this whole hero's journey. Yeah. And I was like trying to bundle all that up. In the and, <laughs> I mean, the one, the one thing I also, I, it, it, it kind of gets me because again, I don't like playing devil's advocate with this book because, you know, it's a book. It's, it's always going to have that advantage. But the importance of water in the book is such a big deal. And yeah. they don't communicate it in either movie. In either movie, yeah. They're, they're pretty much, they put those suits on and they're like, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. No, it is... They kind of tried a little bit in this one, where they had that little tent under, under the sand. They had a little tent. They yeah, had, that little like, com- oh, they had the is- conversation with the palm trees guy. Yeah. And it's like, well, why are you water, why are you using five people's worth of water a day on a, on a tree? Shouldn't we yeah. just be cutting these down? It's like, no. They are symbols of hope. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's such an aristocratic thing to say. It's like, yeah, but oh I mean, there's so much of that stuff in the book and, like, this, um, I'm really hoping it comes up in part two, is this Fremen culture, these desert people who are... Or Fremen or Freemen. Or... Yeah. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> who are really based on, you know, the Abad. They are very much desert cultures in the yeah. Middle East that we can recognize both from now and from history. Yeah, because they even use, like, uh, Arabic, Arabic words. words, like, Lusan al-Ghayb. Which means the the tongue of the outer world. Uh, well, uh, well, well more, that's what more, they call yeah, it. Yeah, more like the tongue of destiny kind yeah, of thing, yeah. um, or the unknown. Yeah, uh, the book they, talks they a lot about, about jihad. jihad. Yeah, they talk about jihad. Jihad is a big deal in the book, which doesn't. It's not the same as what you would associate with jihad nowadays. It's kind of a little no. bit different. It's not. It's not a holy war per se. In the book, it's 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 it is a holy war. It's yeah. explicit. They weren't. They weren't as explicit with the old film, at least. Here, they didn't even mention it. No, I, well, as far as I could tell. 
I'm pretty sure they weren't allowed to. I'll be honest with <laughs> like, you. You're not gonna say jihad. In this I don't long. think. I don't <laughs> think the American audiences would have tolerated the word jihad. Like, ah, oh, jihad on you, and the jihad on you. <laughs> and and in the second book, there in the first movie, they're really quick to explain what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they sort of hand wave it away. <laughs> We're just gonna call it a holy war. Don't yeah. don't mind us. It's more like the Crusades. The sleeper uh-huh. has awakened. Oh, okay. Lachlan, I love him. Okay, the casts. Mm. So, uh, the first film, real quick, it's Comic Laughlin, main guy from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, he's in the F- Flintstones movie. He's in a lot of he Lynch is, movies. He's, yeah, he's in a lot of Lynch movies. Uh, he's... He's great. Yeah, underutilized actor. Underutilized. Completely the wrong fit for June. Yes. This guy's not a sci-fi dude. This is a dude in a suit. <laughs> yeah, I will say, so, so Timothy Chalamet looks a little bit like young... McLaughlin. But boy, oh boy, is he better suited for this material. Yes, because that's the difference. So, Kyle is a very, you know, sure of himself, uh, wise guy. Oh, he's a cocky little bitch. (laughs) Yeah, real cocky, if we're going to (laughs) use harsh words. Shalmay, not so much. Oh, he is very the opposite. Dour little guy in (laughs) this, isn't he? And which which makes it really funny because you know you see this like really tiny guy, <laughs> yeah, but be so skilled. But he also supposedly. sells the age a lot better. The character's like supposed to be like sixteen, really. Oh yeah, he's supposed to be very young. That's a big part of what kind of drives this character. He is, it is him t- learning how to be a man, pretty much under warfare. Yeah, and it, makes it, it really forms him for the later part of the story. Uh, whereas in the first film, you know, McLaughlin is. Clearly, like, pretty much in his late 20s, he may be in his yeah. 30s, and it kind of takes away a lot of that. That's true, yeah. Uh, Jurgen Prochnow is the dad. Makes you really wonder where that accent went. <laughs> yeah, no, he did a great job as the dad, I would say. He was great in the movie, but... Actually, every single actor, given the script and the direction that they were given... Yes. ...in that old film, did a great job. I, I don't uh, I don't feel like there were a lot of weak links. No, but here here's the thing I'm going to say. There are a few, but not... There, there really weren't any weak links... But each of those links was in a different room. That's true. None of those links were together in one chain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you, you try to compare Patrick Stewart's gurney to Sting. And yes, I'm talking about the Sting. singer. Sting. Sting. Sting yeah. yeah. Fields, the of, uh, fields of gold. Fields the of police. Gold. Sting. Roxanne. That guy. <laughs> when you go that place. Oh, God. Yeah. And, yeah, he's in that movie. But, yeah, and he plays a psychopath, and he suits that role really well. I was so taken aback. No, 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 let's be clear. Well, he is a bit of a psychopath. He doesn't play a psychopath. He plays a murderous weasel. He is, he is a a feral (laughs) fucking animal in that movie. Yeah, but his eyes are crazy. He's got crazy eyes. That's my point. It's like, he's not even human anymore. This guy is... Uh, he is left town. He is out on the country. And that that snap zoom oh. when he gets out of the steam bath. Wearing oh my the, god! Wearing his giant plastic underwear. Yeah, his uh, Captain America underwear. Oh boy! <laughs> I mean, we have that. But I mean, this is the thing. Like that first movie, there are a lot of great performances, but each performance is from a completely different film. Yeah, which, none of these people are in the same movie, which adds to the surreal aspect. Though. Oh, completely. Yeah, because like, yeah, like every, every single character was played very differently from the other. Yeah, and none and of them. The, the little sister. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Real creepy. Real creepy, and also that voiceover <laughs> dubbing. Yes, is just... that's what makes it even creepier. <laughs> yeah. Now the floating guy. <laughs> I mean, we're just talking randomly about bullshit, but watch these movies. Yeah, just this is a spoiler them. section. We're just you've get seen into it. <laughs> really get into it. I mean, the the Baron Harkonnen is so interesting because in the first one, he's almost comedic. He yeah. is so grotesque. He looks like evil Shrek. He is yeah, terrible. And they really play it up. I mean, the, and yeah. his, I don't know who that actor is. I can't remember his name. Me neither. But he is an overacting kind of dude. This guy's on Broadway. Yeah. And now, Stone, uh, Stone Skarsgård Skarsgård takes the, who is the role. awesome in this. He, I mean, this is the thing. This is not Stellan Skarsgård from Thor. This is Stellan Skarsgård from Lars von Trier. This is Dogville. This is Dogville, yeah. This is this is Chernobyl. He is. <laughs> it's that. It's that Scar. He is a quiet, menacing presence in this movie. The bold, like the bold head, the bald. really suited him. He, I don't know. It was even more menacing than usual. He's bald. <laughs> he's overweight, and he's floating. It's yeah, just it's the just, worst. 
I will say the floating in this one was done way better than oh, all the Good grief. Yeah, this one was actually, you know, it wasn't good. So either. in the book, the big deal with him is that he is so fat that he requires, like, anti-gravity belts to be able to move. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah. He has what they call suspensor belts. It's something they use in, like, this movie as well for the fight scenes a lot. There's a lot of, like, slow motion jumping, which is these, like, anti-gravity things. Uh, but, my God, the yeah, it's just crazy. The but he is so menacing. He is straight out of a horror movie. This guy is, should be like partying with Slenderman. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, the old one, no, not so. No, much. not at all. He's and, conical. And uh, his son, I want to say, he's or not his cousin, son. Cousin? It's his. Okay, this. Okay, Have we you? need we need to get into this uh, because this is. Because Raban is uh, is a bit of a character in yeah. the old one. <laughs> okay, uh, this we need to kind of get into, mainly because it is the one thing I will say about the book, which is a little bit like a go-in-aware situation. They hinted it in the first movie. They do not address it in the second movie. Uh, in the book, the Baron is a straight-up pedophile. Yeah, no, they definitely hinted that. Yeah, he, <laughs> is, a, he is a very clear... Um, sex offender uh, who targets uh, young boys yeah. and he has a sexual interest in Paul Atreides. Oh, well they don't mention that. There, there's a lot of weird stuff with that character and the world they come from. Um, there's a lot of uh, it's never explicitly said but there's a heck of a lot of like rape culture involved. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's really... It's uncomfortable. These people, these, these are the, this is the evil family. Let's be yeah. really clear about that. I mean, it's, <laughs> wow. And, um, but the son, not the son, he's, I think he's his cousin. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, it's the cousins. cousins. Yeah, cousin. No, his nephews. That's what it is. Okay, yeah. They're his nephews. Raban, yeah. Raban and Sting in the first Fade. movie, yeah, Fade, Fade Rutha. Yeah. Who is not, there is no character for this in, the say in the first, in the second movie, which is not so that weird. I can see, no, maybe in part two. I don't I'm know. I'm guessing there must Who's be. Gonna, who are they going to bring to replace Thing? You can't replace Thing. As just like you know, it's an impossibility. I don't know, but I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, because he's supposed to be the main antagonist, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's supposed to be. That's that's the big fight in the end. Yeah, and let's be honest. It's really obvious that Dave Bautista had more to do in the original cut of this movie. He's. I think yeah, he ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, now, as we're reaching the end, um, we should probably mention uh, that, yeah, this is... I would not be surprised if there's an extended cut of this. Oh, yeah. Um, and if there isn't, that'll be really disappointing, because there is clearly a lot left on the cutting room floor. Oh, obviously. Clearly. Yeah, Dave Bautista had maybe, like, two lines in this film. I think which... he had three or four lines, four <laughs> or five scenes... Uh, and given how much they played him up in, like, the pre... Oh, yeah. I mean, they yeah. really amped this guy. So, I mean, I'm guessing he's going to be a much bigger deal in part two. I hope so. Um, I think they're, they're done filming part two. I right? think so. Yeah. I think they filmed this concurrently. I think that's yeah. kind of how they had to do it. Because there's a lot of big names here. I mean, it's the same thing with... Um, Oscar Isaac is... Yeah. Doesn't. he was He's good in the movie, but I don't think he's coming back from part two. Cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be surprised. <laughs> yeah, Rebecca Ferguson is great. Uh, Jason Momoa, really? Jason Momoa, yeah. The only joke in the movie, I suspect. Yeah, but he's he's that kind of guy. Though. Yeah, but yeah, he, and he's, he's kind of like a, a like almost like a like a more serious, more heartwarming. I would say almost. Yeah, uh, like uh, that, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah, because that character is in the first movie, and he is literally the most forgettable white man in existence. So yeah. he's just gone. Yeah, he's, you he, watch that movie and instantly forget he exists. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, there was someone there. There was someone there. With blue eyes. He is, there's a lot of those guys in that first movie, but... Yeah. No, he just does a great job. Um, the one I really want to point out just for performances, I mean, Chalamet really gets this. But the two kind of low-grade MVPs for me, I gotta give it to my, I gotta give it to my man, um, uh, Gurney. From oh, the new yeah, one. Jo- Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin is really great. And um, I like the uh, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. That's who the other guy has very little. He had very little to do. He carried it really well. You get a really good impression of this society from his performance. Yeah, 
Exactly. And that that means a lot to me. The one thing I will definitely say, much more diverse cast in film too. Yes. Woo! Thank goodness. And Zendaya is also here. Zendaya's and, good. Um, but she shows up very close to the end. Not not a lot well, to say. Zendaya has a lot of moments in the, there. These flash forward flashback things he has in his dreams of Zendaya. Yeah, I but mean, it's like stills. It's not really like it's barely it's barely anything. Yeah, but I mean, the thing I wanted to point out is. I um, I think they're overused. There's so yes, many I of agree. these slow yeah. motion shots of Zendaya in the, the sand. The, the original Run. film was very much similar, where every single time he would just like scream out, "Chani, Chani, <laughs> the sleeper has awakened." Yeah, that, that's my favorite scene. Oh, uh, just that and the worm surfing, worm which surfing. we got a glimpse of. We got a glimpse of it. I'm hoping for so much more because really, where this this movie does good with combat. The combat scenes Much are better. great. No voice modulator. This no time. voice modulator. Straight up, like they don't really do guns because they have shields. They don't explain that well enough. Well, there are guns. It's those like drill bullets. That yes. They keep sh- yeah, which is b- because they have those shields, which look amazing in yeah, the old film. The idea in the yeah, oh, <laughs> the boxing. My goodness. No, the original. The idea oh, behind the shields is that they stop anything moving over a certain velocity. Yeah. And so you can't have guns, and even if you're going to stab someone, you have to be slow and methodical. Yes, and it's something that is a big deal in the book that they don't do a good job of. Well, they kind of explain it, but not really in this part two, the second movie, is the reason the fight is such a big deal at the end is because he has been conditioned to always attack slowly on the last strike. He's always missing the kill by a half a millisecond. Which makes everyone think he's teasing this guy. Yeah, they kind of they kind of hint that like, what is he doing? Why is he playing with it or something? Like yeah, that. and it's kind of like th- this whole shield conditioning and that whole fight is a kind of a really important scene in the book. It's kind of a big deal. And then he does play it up. He does say like, "Do you yield and whatever?" So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, uh, it wasn't wasn't presented quite as well as I would have hoped. No. The fight scene, the choreography is great. Don't get me yeah, wrong. I mean that's the thing. The technical work behind this one is so great. What you want is just that little bit of Spielberg magic. You just want a little bit of that. You need to pepper in some story elements to keep this stuff going. The the original had a lot of Coen Brothers (laughs) vibes to it. Oh, yeah. I will say, because there's a lot of, uh, like, you know, uh, quirky characters. But I will say this one, even the the minor characters, like with Coen Brothers films, make a lasting impression, unlike the original. Yes. Uh, so, So, yeah, that's good. But it could have used a little bit of that. Kind of add a little bit of flair. It needed a little bit of flair and it needed a little bit of humor. Yeah, because that's the other other film did too much of that. Yeah, no, (laughs) this one, this one was missing it completely. We we need to be clear. The first film is really three steps, three steps and a skip away from Rocky Horror Picture Show. It is a campy, campy movie. Yeah. Welcome to transsexual. (laughs) Transsexual. I mean, Sting is almost singing. He's almost, yeah. Just he kind of like, does a little bit of that on the end. Yeah, he does a little bit of that shuffle, and you're thinking, is he going to start? Is he going to start? That Baron is just one second away from belting like he's in Repo the Genetic does, Opera. Yeah, that's true. You've seen that. That's amazing. But I, like I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, waiting, I was waiting for the first thing to throw in a desert rose because they're in the desert. Yeah, no, I was like, ah. There's just, yeah, there's these, like, there's... Somewhere there's a happy medium, but I get why they didn't. It's a it's a serious book, but there is more humor in the book. Yeah, it, it's just. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's definitely a movie worth watching. I yeah. would say, uh, even if like for the aesthetics alone, because yes. there are films that you want to watch for the aesthetics alone. Yes, this is definitely so. uh, this that is and a bit more. Oh yeah, because yeah. no as, as much as we've been like harping on lacking plot, it's still good. The, what's the plot, what's the, there is good. The plot is there. The plot is good. It's just, you you really get the sense that there's so much more going on in this world and yeah. with these characters than what you're seeing. Yeah, it feels like a lot of it is underutilized. It feels like they could have fleshed it out more. For Again, sure. that extended cut, the second that hits, I'm getting myself Me too. a copy. I need to see that. because no, I, I, Villeneuve has, ne- has never done that before, as far as I know. I, he didn't do that I for Blade Runner. So. He no. hasn't done that for any of his other films. I think this is the first time he would need to, though, because there's, there's he's handling so much. Yeah. He's handling such a vast world. It is like trying to do Game of Thrones in a movie. Yeah. They they could this movie could have probably done better with uh, with like a like endgame. Yeah. Like, you know, three hour Yeah, but I can understand but again, why they wouldn't want to. Yeah, that's true. 
Because uh, especially because this is not a long-lasting franchise. Like this no. is the first film in, in the in a series of two. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to overwhelm. And I have to say, I'm glad they didn't go for three. Yeah, because you know the Hobbit has. If the Hobbit has taught us anything, is you can't yeah. overdo this. Yeah, Lord of the Rings was sort of a one-hit kind of wonder kind of thing with like. It was three also movies. three books. Yeah, it was three books. It was three complete stories. Yes. Well, the original is a single book, but then they divided it because you know whatever. Yeah. The point is, it's three complete stories uh, that then connect to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that's all. I'm really happy with that. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm definitely gonna recommend it. Yes. I definitely. know. I. I know. I've been re- referencing the book probably too much during this episode, and the reason is really simple: is that both of these movies are trying so hard to be faithful adaptions. It's not like they're taking this... They're not doing new and original content. They're really trying to recreate this book. And they're doing it in their own very particular ways. And it, it makes it very hard not to draw a comparison. Yeah. So, out of ten, what would you give this film? Where, Ooh, where one that's being, a hard one. One being absolute garbage, ten being genre-defining, and five being perfectly average. That's our scale. Yeah. That's a hard one for me because on a purely, as a film lover, yeah, as someone who really just gets into the nitty gritty of the production design, the editing, all that's all that good technical stuff, this is like an eight nine. But it, it's gonna have to kind of just get pulled back a little bit because there's so much unexplained. There's so much that you can feel needed just that little bit of fleshing out. I agree. So I, I'm gonna have to end up on a seven, I think. Seven, yeah. I was gonna go with an eight, um, just because it's just such a beautiful film. Yeah, but but uh, but yeah. I'm I, also trying to keep in mind people who haven't read the book or watched the other movie. Exactly. Yeah. If you're coming into this fresh, you are going to need help. So I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna land. I'm gonna be like you. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna land at a seven or an eight. Yeah. I might flip. So depending on how well the second film is, or if the extended cut is any, yeah. any good, it might be it might flip it up to an eight. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If an extended cut comes out that kind of fixes the problems we're talking about, because the 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 big problem is it's not long enough. Yeah. If you had to point at anything, this movie is not doing. Or, it's not giving enough. Or it could be the the problem that, for example, Batman v Superman had. I know you hate that film, oh. but <laughs> but the, with the ultimate cut of that film, which was it showed you how much more fleshed out the story is. But honestly, we. I could have edited, as a fan edit, I could have edited the ultimate cut into what was the theatrical cut and kept everything in. Because there's so many completely unnecessary scenes in the theatrical cut. Yeah. That, okay, but, I hear but you. so many necessary ones in the, yeah, the extended mm, that I was like, okay, it. so why the hell did you choose to remove these and not like other ones? So I think this, this one might fall into the same category where yeah. if the extended cut fixes some things, there is a lot of empty room here to cut out if you were really pressing. You know time. what? I, I think there might be a situation here that we could really lose 5% of the atmosphere but increase the amount of content by like 25%. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. At, so, in, in the same runtime, that might well be because you wouldn't need a heck of a lot. But yeah, there's a, there's just a lot of little pieces of information I wish were there. And I, I don't... Um, I can't recommend that book highly enough. It's such an interesting read. There's so many good ideas that play. I'll have to get around to the audiobook because uh, yeah, I mean they just released a new one because of the movie. Oh, cool! Like who's, they did a reading. Uh, I can't remember. There's like a new fresh edition type thing. I think they did with like a cast or something. Nice. I would recommend. I love, I love those uh, audiobook dramas. American yeah. Gods, man. Ooh, that with a full yeah, cast. Yeah, yeah. That is awesome. I gotta, I gotta get around to that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it's a good movie. Good it's movie. A great Definitely. movie, and it's. It's like I told you afterwards, they're going to be talking about this movie because of the visuals. Yes. As a visual aesthetic movie, we haven't had this before. This is this is new. And watch the old one for the same oh, reason. Oh, boy! Because <laughs> there's nothing like that old one. Yeah. But you visually. Know, here's the thing you do not do. Do not watch that new one by yourself early in the day. That is an evening with a someone you like kind of movie. What the new one? No, the old, the old one. one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, do you? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe throw on some drinks. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's gonna be incomprehensible, anyways. You might as well you have know, fun. <laughs> grab, grab, a, grab a buddy, grab a couple of beers, <laughs> and settle yourself in. Because boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy. There's there's so much unintentional humor in that thing, <laughs> mainly from the effects, but also Ooh. just the performances. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more surfing. Uh, yeah. I will say, now since we're reaching the end, yeah. the old one, the old worms, yeah. they didn't have quite as much anus face as the new ones. Nope. <laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> These new worms are such... <laughs> So good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, the new ones look like they're from the bottom of the sea. The old ones look like they belong on, you know, their sarlacc pit. They're, yeah, that, that, I think that's exactly what it would yeah. be. Yeah, the sarlacc or they're, pit. They're, they're, or they're looking for Beetlejuice on Saturn. It's got yeah, a real kinda... vibe. Ooh. All uh, right. Okay. So, well. Uh, yeah, so where, where, where can they find us? Oh, we're still at sightonscreen at uh, gmail.com. Yeah. Or on SoundCloud. Get... Yeah, we're pretty much anywhere you get your uh, get your podcasts. Yeah, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, side on screen at gmail.com for any comments, anything. We have the Facebook page. Yep. Please leave us uh, drop a like. Yeah. Drop a comment. Drop a comment. Ding our dong because we're on YouTube as well. Yeah, and the big old thing: tell a friend, spread the word. Spread. We're doing this. We're trying. We're also trying to keep our our our, our timing a little bit better. So yeah. We... Hopefully, you've appreciated this slightly shorter episode. Yes. Thank you, and we'll see you again soon. Yeah. Toodaloo. Bye. Bye.